Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. And welcome into the Hard Count, the people's program for every single thing that you know and that you love about college football. Guess what? Happens right here every single day. We are live and living color. You can also catch us on podcasts on Apple and on Spotify, wherever your podcast, you can listen to the Hard Count. We have got a jam-packed show for you. The portal is open. I feel very sorry for the FBI agents that have to track Pete Thamel and Bruce Feldman's cellular devices. You know, have to watch whatever they're saying because they're probably working around the clock as guys are jumping in the portal, jumping out of the portal. There's a lot going on in the portal world. We're going to talk about it. We are going to break it down. First-year coaches, a lot of them are now trying to revamp rosters. And guess what? The ROI, the expectation on ROI is a lot more expedient like you're expecting a lot more from a first year coach than you would you know a few years ago so how do you go about making good on that roi starts in the portal gonna talk about that gonna talk about what these first year coaches need to do in the portal and then we're also joined by the man the myth the legend he was here last week i guess last show he's coming back this show the man the myth the legend josh newberg national on three recruiting analyst gonna talk a little bit about neon dion and what Coach Prime needs to do in the portal. Going to throw some names at you, talk some strategies, because there is a lot of juice right now in Boulder, Colorado. Also going to break down the Drake May situation. Phil Longo, his offensive coordinator, says, you know what, I'm going to Wisconsin. Drake May says, full Leo DiCaprio, I'm not leaving. I'm staying here, could never leave this place. Truthfully, not super surprised by that. Going to break it down for you in its entirety. Let's also talk about Michigan. 
because there are some games still left to be played. The Michigan Wolverines set to get after it in the Fiesta Bowl in the college football playoff against TCU. If you're a Michigan fan, you were in this situation a season ago. Won the Big Ten, beat Ohio State, was in the playoff, got it handed to you by Georgia. I think there is cause for more confidence in Ann Arbor this year as opposed to last year. Going to break that down for you and tell you why I believe that is. It's a special day here on the program. We're giving out our college football awards, our program awards, the first ever, first annual, and pass out some hardware to the folks that we believe deserve it throughout the college football landscape. We don't want you to miss a minute of that. Already given out one award on my social media accounts, at Judy Pacquel on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to go ahead and check that out, you're welcome to do so, but don't tune out of this program because we got a lot coming for you. Go to the live chat at the end of this thing, as we always do, the people show. Go into the live chat, going to make some time for some questions. Nick, Breakkeeper of the queue, going to get to those as effectively and as efficiently as possible. The best way for us to do that, the way that you can help us do that, is get your questions in right now. Get those questions in now. We can start tallying them up, start getting them down on paper, and we can answer those for you at the end of the show. But I'm fired up. Like I said, a ton to talk about. Portal season is here, and it is a mad dash right now. So without further ado, let's jump into some conversation for first-year coaches. A lot of different coaches have decided to take new jobs for the 2023 season. A lot of big positions, a lot of big brands, if you will, that will have some NIL resources and have some ability to go after some top talent. So looking at these coaches that are in a new position, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, it is a much less patient world for head coaches than it was a few years ago. You got the portal now, you can revamp a roster. USC going from four and eight to playing for a Pac-12 title and being a Caleb Williams hamstring away from making the college football playoff. That's kind of the world that we're living in right now. Sonny Dykes took over a more experienced roster at TCU. They are playing in the college football playoff. In year one in Fort Worth for Sonny Dykes, they are playing for the college football playoff. So how do some of these coaches in their first year get the ship headed the right direction and what do they need to do in the portal? Because USC made their living in the portal a season ago. So I'm going to go down the list here, tell you the primary concern for a lot of these guys and a lot of the positions I'd like to see addressed in year one for these coaches to give themselves a fighting chance to have some success and reach that ROI that is now expected of them across the college football landscape. Without further ado, Matt Rule at Nebraska said, you know what, I'm going to go back to the college game. Loves the kids. He was at Baylor. Actually was on his team for a period of time at Baylor. Went to the pros. Ended up not being the case, not being a fit. Goes back to the college game. He's going to get that thing headed the right direction in Lincoln. But how does he do that? I think the primary concern for Matt Rule lies on the defensive line. Because I've said it before, I cannot get out of my head. The game they played against Ireland and seeing the Northwestern, excuse me, the game in Ireland against Northwestern. They had just been deleted from the frame repeatedly in the defensive trenches where Northwestern runs inside zone. They run power, and they're just pushing them off the screen. Nebraska has a reputation historically of being a tough football team. That's why Matt Rule is back. He has a history of coaching the defensive line, has a history of building really strong defensive trenches wherever he's been. That's a huge concern for Nebraska going forward. And so if I'm in the portal and I'm Matt Rule and I got a list of priorities at the top of my list 
And also the second row of my list is defensive line and defensive line, okay? That's how much that matters for them going forward. Getting the personnel from a talent perspective, but also the depth. Because you and I both know, you can have a great first line of defense, but you better have some other big boys behind them that can also help carry the load as the season wears on. And in the Big Ten West, it's very winnable. It's extremely winnable. No knock on Purdue, but they got there with, I believe it was like four losses. Got to Indianapolis, that is, and played for a Big Ten title. So for Matt Rule, it's doable to turn it around in, a, in, in the first year in Lincoln, but you got to start in the trenches to get this thing headed the right direction. Really quickly, if you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, we'd love to have you at the party. We do content, like I said, every single day. We're live on Tuesdays. We're live on Thursdays, 2 Eastern, 1 Central. We want you here. All right. Also, follow me on the socials at Jody Pakel on Twitter and on Instagram. Another first year coach that has got the most charisma, the most juice in the entire country. A man who's made it very clear he is going to hit the portal. Deion Sanders, the new head coach at Colorado. Now, for Deion Sanders, I'm operating with the assumption that he's going to bring in a lot of his own skill players because he had a lot of ballers on his team in Jackson State. Travis Hunter being one of them, waiting to see what he does. Shadur Sanders, it sounds like pretty much without a doubt going to be his quarterback. So that's kind of the world we're living in right now for Jackson State and for what Colorado's going to be going forward. But my primary concern for Deion Sanders and what I think he should address in the transfer portal is the offensive line. Because the talent gap that's most evident from the FCS level to the FBS level, coming from someone who's played at both levels, it's the offensive line. And that's not to knock either school, but the reality is at Colorado, that's where you have the most catching up to do. Because like Deion said, he's bringing his Louis luggage. And a lot of that luggage is the skill players. But how you go from being a good team to a great team in year one is being able to get those big boys up front. So targeting guys like a Johnny Cornelius, who at the time of us being live, 108 Central on Thursday, is still uncommitted. He's actually taken a visit to, to Nebraska. Keep an eye on that. Uh, Javian Cohen, a guy who started a lot of games at Alabama. We're going to talk more about this in a second, but he's someone I would also go after from Deion Sanders. Getting big human beings to move other big human beings against their will is how you build successful football teams. And the teams that play for games in January, teams that play in the college football playoff and win their conference, they're tough football teams. That was the difference last year, or I guess a few weeks ago, rather, between USC and Utah. USC, a lot of great skill, but Utah, with their big boys up front, just asserted their dominance, play after play, played bully ball. And that's why they won both those games against USC and ended up being conference champions. So for Neon Dion, you have a great engine in the car. Get you some tires. Get you some tires can go off-road on that line of scrimmage that can push some boys around. It's a big thing I'm looking at for Deion Sanders. Hugh Freeze inherited a very interesting situation at Auburn. I've made it known before on this program, I think that they have a number of places they need to retool. I think Auburn, from a personnel perspective, is reeling a little bit. So the transfer portal for them is going to be really exciting because they have the NIL resources now to compete at the level that they want to compete at in terms of getting premier players. But I think for Auburn, my question would be, do you think Robbie Ashford at quarterback is the solution next year to win as many games as you expect to win? 
Now that expectation could differ from fan to fan, but my feel on it is you probably want to win somewhere in the range of eight to nine games in your first year under Hugh Freeze. Do you think Robbie Ashford gives you the best chance to do that? If you do, great. Don't listen to me. If you, if you don't, though, I think, and I, and I don't personally, no knock, on Rob, no knock on Robbie Ashford, I just think that's important for them to move the ball forward, to kind of refresh this roster. And the transfer portal is becoming more and more similar to the high school recruiting format in the sense that once you get a quarterback, that's a centerpiece for your transfer portal class. So you get the right guy in there. Let's just say, let's get wild and say you get Devin Leary as your quarterback at Auburn. Well, then guess what? Other pieces are going to hear about that. Other receivers or the running backs, linemen going to hear about that and say, you know what? They're actually probably going to be okay next year. I want Devin Leary throwing me the football. I want to, you know, be able to play next to him in the back, but I want to block for him. That's the kind of tone I think it sets if you're able to get a premier weapon at the quarterback position. I'm not saying it's Devin Leary. I'm just saying I think you might need to upgrade that to be as successful as you hope to be going forward if you're the Auburn Tigers. Luke Fickle at Wisconsin has a very interesting situation. He just made a hire for Phil Longo to be his offensive coordinator in Madison. I love that hire. It's a total change of pace for what Wisconsin's going to be going forward. They are going to be a little bit more prolific in how they go about things. They're going to throw it around the yard a little bit more. Now, here's the first thing I would say. You need to re-recruit Braylon Allen. He has made it exceedingly clear he wants to be at Wisconsin. Now, a lot of his desire to stay at Wisconsin centered around Jim Leonard being in Madison. And Jim Leonard, former interim coach, former defensive coordinator for Wisconsin. He's going to coach the bowl game, and then he's going to make other arrangements. So re-recruit Braylon Allen, first and foremost, all right? Make sure he stays on your football team. I think getting the quarterback to make this system work for Phil Longo is equally important. So Auburn and Wisconsin both need quarterbacks, I think, for different reasons. For the quarterback position at Wisconsin, it's basically a whole new branding of your program, right? Because it's not going to be the put four tight ends on the field, play smash mouth football and throw the ball on fourth and one. Or maybe you throw the ball on third and two. Like it's not going to be situational spider three Y banana stuff for those of you that know that reference. I think for Wisconsin to get to where they expect to be and to get back to winning the Big Ten West, which is a very winnable conference, like we already said, or very winnable side of that conference rather, Phil Longo needs to get a quarterback that fits his system. Auburn needs a quarterback just to get the whole thing headed the right direction. But for Wisconsin, with the new OC, bringing in a new quarterback to match that system, I think is paramount. Because Graham Mertz is gone. The rest of the roster doesn't have a ton more to be excited about at the quarterback spot, that is. A lot of guys on the roster appear to be excited about, but at the quarterback spot, I don't think you have your solution in-house. So get a guy that can run the system and can evolve with how, how Wisconsin is going to evolve, is what I'm trying to tell you. So to recap it all for you, Matt Rule in Nebraska, continue this tough trend, or trying to be tough, rather, and get some big boys on the defensive line. For Coach Prime, he's bringing the Louis luggage. A lot of that luggage will be at the skill position. Get you some big boys on the offensive line to be the off-road tires to what you're already going to have on that roster. Now, Hugh Freeze needs a quarterback. If you think Robbie Ashford's the, the situation, or excuse me, the solution to that situation, great. I feel otherwise. I'd love to be wrong. But if you get a premier quarterback at Auburn with the NIL resources that they now have, I think you could attract even more talent. 
could be a domino effect. I'd get a quarterback if I'm Auburn. Now for Wisconsin, going to be a complete rebrand of that offense with the new OC Phil Longo coming from North Carolina. Did some great things with Drake May there. I would love for them to get another quarterback uh, or rather a new quarterback to develop with the direction that that program is heading with the direction that that offense is heading. So first year coaches, the expectations, they keep on ramping higher and higher and higher in year one. Is it fair or not? I don't know. A lot of other first year coaches seem to be doing just fine. Use the portal as a weapon. Use the portal to your advantage to get the talent that you need in house. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited to watch that whole thing unfold. Also, very much worth noting, it's, it's phenomenal and very important that we have a window on the transfer portal. 45 days is all you're getting to be able to be successful in your first, or excuse me, to, in that portal recruiting class kind of format. So keep an eye on that. Should be a whole lot of fun. Roll party roll. If you have not yet subscribed to the channel, we would love to have you at the party. Got a lot to unpack. Let's talk about Colorado and the Buffs. Deion Sanders, like we just said, a first-year coach who I think needs to continue to develop his roster. Because you look at the foundation of this program, they were 1-11 a season ago. It's no secret. They are going to just tear out all the foundation, tear out all the drywall, all the stuff that was there, and revamp it in a new way. And so to talk about that, going to bring on the man, the myth, the legend, national on-three recruiting analyst, and I guess essentially now a Colorado insider, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Josh Newberg. Josh, how we doing, my guy? I'm here and I'm ready to go. What are we talking, portal? Talk a little bit of portal, man. You got, you got to build the buffs now in year one. Like we just said, there's a lot that's required of these first-year head coaches. It's not so much so, hey, give them two to three years. That third year, we'll really find out what you're made of. It's okay. Year one, who's coming with you? What's the Louis luggage? What's going on here? So, I mean, in your estimation for Deion Sanders, what's the first move you're making for Colorado in the portal if you're Deion? He's already made the first move, J.D., and that's the hmm. purge. You got to get rid of some guys that just aren't carrying their weight, and you also got to make room for some better players. So now that the purge has taken place, it's time to binge. Let's go to the portal to binge. And where's my first stop on this binge? Well, it's Jackson, Mississippi, and I'm going to rent a U-Haul. And I'm going to go knock on Travis Hunter's dorm and I'm moving him to Boulder, Colorado if I'm Deion Sanders. Because like you said, he needs some dynamic playmakers and Travis Hunter being the number one player in America just a year ago in the, in the 2022 recruiting class, he brings that. He brings that on both sides of the football. So now Travis Hunter is not in the, in the transfer portal yet, but once he is and it's legal, Deion Sanders better go get that U-Haul and bring him to Boulder, Colorado. Do you... Uh, Okay, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, Josh. Go ahead, Josh. After that, I mean, I think you you really load up on skill players. Now, yeah. you're Deion Sanders, right? Virginia cornerback Fentrell Cypress is widely considered the number one cornerback in America. Mm. Well, if you're Deion, I think that's a great place to go and make a statement. I'm going to go into the portal and convince the number one cover corner in the country to come play in Boulder, Colorado. Fent I think, yeah, Fentrell Cypress. Sorry, I keep cutting you off here, Josh. But Ohio State pushing hard for him. If you could win a recruiting battle over Ohio State, talk about making a statement. a statement, right? I mean, on your first recruiting battle in the portal, that would be huge. And then you got to load up in the trenches because we both know 
that if you're bringing in Shador Sanders, he needs a entirely revamped offensive line because they're a one-win program and a one-win offensive line is not going to cut it for anybody, especially Shador coming in, going power five, a big transition for him, need to get him some help up front. Um, but besides that, I mean, he said he's bringing 10 guys from, from Jackson State. He said that in his introductory uh, speech to the players. He let them know, I'm bringing 10. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, you know, Travis Hunter will be one of those 10. You would think, right, if you're playing the odds here of guys that he got Jackson State that you can kind of assume are like Dion's guys, Travis Hunter would have to be in that, you know, group rather. Now, I want to ask you this, Josh. Let's just say we get to the situation where Travis Hunter enters the portal. Do you think we see a announcement right away of, okay, I'm transferring from Jackson State to Colorado, or is it more so of a Travis Hunter enters the portal, will weigh his options? J.D., a year ago at this time, I was covering Travis Hunter from the Florida State beat. So let me just tell you about what you can expect from Travis Hunter in terms of an announcement. The unexpected is exactly <laughs> what you should expect from Travis Hunter. So when you ask me what's he going to do, man, I got no idea. But I am expecting the unexpected when it comes to Hunter. Hey, stay ready, never got to get ready, right? <laughs> right? Like that's that's the world we're living in, especially in the day and age of the portal when you're dealing with phenomenal talents like Travis Hunter, player mobility. I'm with you. Expect the unexpected. Okay, I like that, Josh. I like that a lot. Staying in the theme of the portal, are there any targets in your mind that are outside of Travis Hunter, maybe outside of Jackson, Mississippi, that mm -hmm. you think, hey, if I'm Deion Sanders, I want to go take an extra look at X, Y, and Z player? Yeah, get back to your home state of Florida. You mm. got plenty of guys in the portal at Miami, plenty of guys in the portal out of Florida, Florida State. I think you start there. Uh, one, one guy that just comes to mind is DB Avante Williams. Mm. I think he was in the 2021 class, and he was a top 100 player defensive back that's leaving Miami think he could be a good addition you know and obviously Dion's got to do his own vetting process right like we're throwing names out there but it is imperative that they fit the culture another guy that I like is Jimmy Horn at USF I didn't mention USF as a program in state but that's another Florida program and Jimmy Horn is an absolute speed demon uh, he, he already put Colorado in his top four I know Houston is really battling for him but I think if Dion were to come calling, I think Jimmy Horn would be a great piece for that offense. And Colorado is a school that's been linked to Jimmy Horn. No, I mean, I mean that, that's like the whole the sources thing is there's a lot of different, you know, sources linking US, USF receiver Jimmy Horn to Colorado. Is that accurate, Josh? Yeah, he okay. came out and put Colorado in right. his top four. Right. So Jimmy Horn already knowing the the power of Deion Sanders, the Lord of Colorado. So we'll see what happens there. But I absolutely think that they're, that they're going to make an impact in the portal just how great. Like I said, if they could get a Fentrell Cypress and really make that sort of statement, not only beating Ohio State for a key target, but also just saying like, hey, if you're a great DB, you're going to come play for Deion Sanders. I mean, that's why he got into coaching, first of all, anyway. And I feel like the pitch, if you're Deion Sanders, for a guy like Fentrell Cypress, it has to be just teed up perfectly. Hey, I'm at the Power 5 level now. You want to come play for the best defensive back, arguably, in the history of the NFL. I'm right here as the head coach. Like, I'm not hard to find. What Coach Prime always says, he's not hard to find. So I'm definitely in agreement. Go get the sure thing in those skill players. Go get the guys that are going to be walking highlight reels for you if you're Coach Prime. I feel like that's the easier pitch. The pitch that I'm curious to see how he does is the trenches. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, Josh, but 
Deion Sanders, I would imagine, will have no trouble getting wide receivers and corners and running backs, and he has his quarterback. But we'll, what will make them from a good team to a great team, as we saw with Utah in the Pac-12 this season, got to be able to have those big boys up front. So I got a few names. I'm interested to see how they develop and if there's any buzz around Colorado as their transfer portal recruitment kicks up. A Johnny Cornelius believe he's the number two player in the on three transfer portal rankings taking a visit to Nebraska it sounds like but he's a high profile guy much like Travis Hunter was and it sounds like it was a done deal and then at the 11th hour Colorado comes in out of nowhere and gets their guy could be the same thing for a guy like Johnny Cornelius Javion Cohen started 10 games this year for Alabama interior offensive lineman he could be a guy Drake Nugent transferring from Stanford he's an in-state guy for Colorado so all that's to say I'm just curious how much of an emphasis is placed early on on the offensive line for Dion? because the trenches from the FCS level to the FBS level is the the biggest jump in my opinion that's the biggest difference having played at both levels so I'm just curious to see how they go about addressing that because I don't know that you can just totally grab all your guys from Jackson State and copy and paste them onto the Colorado roster and be good to go so we'll see what happens there but what's your biggest challenge that you think is facing Dion as he continues to build this program in Boulder time and I say that because Deion Sanders has one more game to coach in Jackson, Mississippi. It'll be December 17th for their final game, their bowl game, whatever it, exactly it's called. Mm -hmm. But time, time waits for nobody. Signing day is coming up. It's, it's, the sec it's two Wednesdays from now. And Deion is going to have to work on balance because he is not going to be in Boulder, Colorado. He's going to be in Mississippi. He's going to be amongst his, his former team, I guess, current, former. I don't know how yeah, you, whatever you whatever, that. whatever you put to it. They're, I guess they're both. They're current and they're former. So he's going to be there. But one thing that, he, that caught my eye at the introductory press conference, he announced that David Kelly would be running recruiting from Boulder, Colorado. He was already there on Monday running recruiting meetings and getting things organized. David Kelly has been around. I first met David Kelly, I think, in 2007 when he was at UCF recruiting Blake Bortles. Since then, he has gone on to work in the recruiting offices at Florida State, Oregon, FAU. He's been to many places, Georgia Tech's another stop he's made. And David Kelly is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting in the beginning. It's going to bridge the gap so Dion can come in after the bowl game and really just get down to the brass tacks of recruiting. So right now, I think this is the balancing act that he's going to have to play while he has one foot in, one foot out, but signing day keeps on approaching. It's a tricky situation to be in if you're Deion Sanders. And to be fair, he's never done this. Like, he's never made the transition from one college job to the next. When he took the Jackson State job, it was going from the high school level to Jackson State. And so that's, again, not to knock Deion Sanders. It's just to concede that, yeah, this is a tricky situation. So having David Kelly overseeing recruiting right now sounds like a really good move on his part playing chess not checkers now recruiting josh you're a national recruiting analyst for us here at on three you do a phenomenal job got the inside scoop on the channel if you have not yet subscribed to this channel you get the inside scoop you get the hard count get all the content every single day go ahead and lock it in there really quick when it comes to recruiting with high school versus the portal is there any difference in terms of approach with which you see Deion sanders taking on both of those trails mm. That's a very good question. Yes, I think at the high school level, you don't mind a guy that's going to develop because it, you're starting at Colorado. And regardless of what we say about Deion Sanders, there will be some struggles early on. It's not going to come as easy as he would like. So I think that when you look at high school players, you leave a little bit of room for development. 
Not when you go to the portal. If you're Deion Sanders and you're looking for portal players, I think you lo- you want somebody that's going to make an instant impact, especially if he only has a year or two. Now, there are some people in the portal with three, four years of eligibility, but ultimately those aren't proven recruits. Those aren't proven prospects. So in the portal, you want instant impact right away. And let's face it, why are they in the portal to begin with? Because they weren't playing at their former team. So I think you build the foundation with high school recruits. That's your foundation. So when these upperclassmen leave, you replace them with great high school prospects. Now, to bridge that gap, though, you go heavy in the portal. I mean, Deion said he's bringing 10 from Jackson State. I wouldn't be surprised if he brings another 10 or 15 in from around the country. And those players will be expected to play right away. Yeah, you said 10 if you're Deion Sanders. I'm like, 10? Coach, we won one game last year. We might need more than 10 well, dudes to get this thing headed from, in the right direction. I think he was referring to the 10 from his old team. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say it might be a, a bunch more of an overhaul to get that roster to where it needs to be, where Dion expects them to be going forward. Josh, last question for you before we get you out of here. We've taken too much of your time already. When it comes to the development side of things for Deion Sanders, this will also be a little bit of a new process for him in terms of taking a kid from a freshman to a senior and getting them from being like a high school senior to being a no full-fledged college football player senior. How do you expect that process to go for a guy like Deion Sanders with this new program he's got going in Colorado? Through the coaches that he's hiring right Hmm. now. You see what's happening. He, I think he has two head coaches on his staff. They've, they've left their current jobs at lower levels, and they're coming to Colorado. There's also rumors of a guy like Charles Kelly coming from Alabama. Charles Kelly is an unbelievable coach, a great developer of talent, and a great recruiter. But in terms of developing talent, he's done it at the highest level. A lot of these coaches have done it at the highest level. I also like the fact that he is going after head coaches. Hmm. They are the ones that know how to organize. They know how to manage their time. They know how to connect with all types of recruits and players. So I think that it's going to be a lot of it is going to go on this coaching staff that he's bringing in. And we're just waiting to see who these hires are. Absolutely. A lot of what you do as a head coach, you're managing culture, you're the CEO, you are the brand, and then underneath you are your coaches that are going to be in the nitty gritty and managing the X's and O's and managing your football program at a more hands-on level. But Josh, appreciate you making some time, man. Absolute blast having you on the hard count. I know we did the inside scoop earlier today. If you haven't yet gone and checked that out, would encourage you to do so. Also some Dion talk on that program. But Josh, appreciate you, man. And we'll do this again real soon. Roll party roll party he's here and he's coming back he's coming back josh newberg again national recruiting analyst for on three if you haven't yet thrown him a follow on twitter would also very much encourage you to do that as well all right for those of you that have not yet subscribed to the program subscribe to the channel we would love to have you here content every single day inside scoop the hard count we got a lot of things cooking and guess what it's a 12 month year sport and whether they're playing games or not We're still here bringing the fan what they need. All right, let's stick in the vein of the portal because there was news that broke yesterday. Phil Longo, offensive coordinator for North Carolina, says, you know what? I'm going to go to Wisconsin. Great hire by Luke Fickle. Phenomenal pickup with how he developed Drake May and how he got that offense. Just scoring a ton of points in the ACC. Competed for an ACC title this past season. Josh Downs was a playmaker for them as well. Like He's coached a lot of studs put a lot of studs in position to succeed by way of his offense. Average right around 33 points a game last year. So 
With that news, all eyes then looked to his quarterback in the day and age of player mobility. Drake May would have been well within his rights to transfer with Phil Longo to Wisconsin. Also, doesn't hurt to mention that Drake May, wherever he transferred, would likely have been able to get some sort of NIL package that's in the millions department. Like, he would have made a bag, all right? However, Drake May takes to Twitter, and essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, just says, I could never leave this place. I'm a Tar Heel. I'm staying. I'm not going anywhere. And this kind of got a rise out of the college football community, kind of out of the college football landscape, if you will, because... He was a big domino that we were looking to see if he would fall in the transfer portal and go after the NIL money. However, this wasn't something that was really super on our radar here at the hard count. I mean, we thought it could maybe happen, but all that's to say, we're not surprised by Drake May deciding he wants to stay in Chapel Hill for a couple of reasons. The first is Drake May is not a guy that is new to having this kind of options at his fingertips. Came out of high school, Charles Power, director of scouting rankings at On3, had him as a top five quarterback. Now, what does that mean? It means you have options out of high school. It means he could have gone to Clemson. It means he could have gone to Ohio State, could have gone to Georgia. He was committed to Alabama at some point in time. He said, yeah, I'm going to go be with the Crimson Tide. Let's do it. Last second, decommits, says, you know what? I'm staying home. I'm staying in Charlotte. I want to build something here at UNC. So all that's to say, he could have gone to one of those other, you know, bigger more football brand kind of schools decided to stay at UNC, but he made that decision in high school. This wasn't a decision that he just had to reevaluate big time and, and sit down with the family and decide if he wanted to stay. No, I think this was a decision that was been, that has been made for a long time in Drake May's mind. He knows his NIL value. He knows he can go and make a lot of money somewhere else, but he's happy at UNC and he's not going to leave for a bigger time program. And that's kind of what we've seen some of these programs feast on is you know a, a player like a you know Drake May or maybe not like a Drake May you have a player pop at a lower power 5 school or an FCS school whatever it is and when they jump on the radar if they weren't on your radar in high school then you say okay if I'm Alabama I'm Florida I'm wherever I'm going to make it a point to get that player on my roster he's he's too good to be at North Carolina he's too good to be at insert other school here but again Drake May has already had those conversations with his family had those conversations i'm sure with other individuals that wanted him to go to their school and said you know what thanks but no thanks decommits from alabama commits to north carolina so none of this is really new to him to have big time options for drake may it's worth noting what was told to me is there were schools like alabama like ohio state and like florida that would have quote loved to have him on their program i don't know what that means in regards to communication I just know that means that other schools would have wanted him to play for them. I will leave it at that. If you haven't yet subscribed to this channel, if you haven't yet followed me on Twitter and Instagram at JD Pakel, I would strongly encourage you to do both of those things. We got content coming on this channel every single day. We want you locked in. All right. There was a lot of debate for Drake May and will he hit the portal for NIL? And I don't think it is a stretch to say, like I said, he would have gotten millions, right? I don't know what he's getting right now in North Carolina. He would have gotten millions to go to somewhere else where they have a lot of NIL resources. Here's my thought on this. For Drake May, you have, what, two more semesters left? Three more semesters left until you go to the NFL? He's going to get a ton of money in the NFL. He's going to get paid much more than whatever NIL can offer him when he gets selected in the first round of the NFL draft. 
may even be the first pick, it would have been arguably more inconvenient for him to go somewhere else and leave a situation he has in North Carolina where he's familiar with the coaches, familiar with his teammates. It's a new OC, yes, but I promise you it would be just one variable changing as opposed to all the variables around you changing. I think it's more risky slash more inconvenient to follow a guy like Phil Longo to Wisconsin and change everything around you than to stay where you are a sure thing and you know what's around you. You know who's going to be in that receiver room. You know your head coach. We all talk about following the play caller, and I get that. But I don't think we take into account how much of a risk that actually is. We don't know what that offense is going to look like at Wisconsin yet. We don't know if they have the personnel when all this dust settles around the portal that he can throw to. It's arguably more inconvenient. And I think for some NIL money and, a, and you know, a, a couple semesters at our new school, the NFL is right around the corner. If I'm Drake May, I think he made the right decision. Now, finally, loyalty is really what played a factor in him staying at North Carolina. It definitely played some percentage of a factor if you don't believe it was one of the key contributors, but I think it was. There is a built-in loyalty for Drake May at North Carolina. He's from Charlotte. His dad played quarterback at North Carolina. Brother was a basketball player named Luke May at North Carolina. His brother is currently his roommate and also on the basketball team at North Carolina. So there's ties to this school. And I say this a lot. People commit to people. That is very much true. I think, though, in Drake May's case, when he committed to North Carolina, he committed to the university and not just a group of people. I'm sure the group of people were more than good enough to get him on board. But the university itself, I think, has always had his heart. You look at his history as a recruit with the decommitment from Bama. North Carolina is where he wants to be. It's where he's always wanted to be, to be honest with you. So good for Drake May deciding to not portal and to see it through what he's done in North Carolina so far and to just kind of finish what he started, which I think is what it really comes down to for him. Like I said, he's going to be a top pick in the NFL draft, if not the top pick. It would have been short-sighted. It would have been more inconvenient, and it would have gone against his loyalty to that program. So I respect Drake May for making the decision he did, and they're going to be a contender in the ACC next year. We'll see who they get an offensive coordinator, but they're going to be a program to be dealt with in that conference. Very much wide open, competed for the title this year, but I'm excited to watch what happens there as Drake May says, you know what? Like Leo DiCaprio says, I'm not leaving. Good on Drake May. All right. We are going to get to the live chat here in just a second. So if you haven't yet put in your question, Nick Brake, Keeper of the Q, is going to get to those. If you can put those in right now, we will have a better estimation as to how to answer those, if that makes sense. All right? We're going to keep it on rolling now. They're still playing games. Believe it or not, they still have some games to be played. The college football playoff is set for New Year's Eve. Michigan is going to play TCU. If you're a Michigan fan, this is not new territory for you. Last year, actually, you won the Big Ten. Last year, you beat Ohio State. Last year, you were in the college football playoff. Well, you show up in the college football playoff, you lose 34-11 and 11 to Georgia who was the eventual national champion, to be fair. But you lost, and it, quite frankly, wasn't really that close. I'm not saying anything novel here. Michigan fans understand that. But there is much more cause for confidence this season than I think there was last season, which I think we need to break down just a little bit. Last year, I think the defense was really star-dependent. Aiden Hutchinson, 
is doing his thing in the NFL. Like that was just, let's just be real here. Aiden Hutchinson is a baller, was a baller last year, was up for the Heisman Trophy, all that. David Ajabo, also an NFL caliber player. They really leaned on those guys to generate a lot of the juice defensively. And I think with this year's team, it is, like I said, a not uh, a no-star kind of defense, meaning they're not depending on different stars each Saturday. And the best way I could explain that and why that's important, think about the game Jenga. Whenever you pull one of those little boards out, there's the possibility the whole thing topples over. And that was Michigan's defense last year. You pull the Aiden Hutchinson board out, pull the David Ojabo board out, Oh boy, that thing's wobbly. That thing might fall over. The thing could shake this way and that way, and then eventually it did against Georgia. I think this year's team doesn't have those two to three boards that you really depend on. It's unit dependent, for sure. I mean, it's, it's all 11, do your job. Like, that's a pretty cliche thing to say, but you've gotten better results this season. 2021 against the pass, allowed 204 yards a game. This year, allowing 191. Last year against the rush, 126 yards a game given up. Still really solid. I believe it was top 25 in the country. This year, you're number two or number one in the country, giving up 85 yards a game. And so it's not bad to have stars on your defense. Do not hear me incorrectly. But when you don't have to depend so heavily on one to two players, as it feels like Michigan did at times a season ago, I think that bodes well. I think having more stable blocks and not two to three you have to depend on when it comes to that Jenga game, for Michigan, that would give me a lot of confidence going forward to say, you know what? This year's not last year. Yeah, we had a lot of the same accomplishments, but this year just feels different than last year. And the defense is a big reason why I'd be more confident if I'm a Michigan fan. If you have not yet subscribed, we'd love to have you at the party. A ton of the Michigan faith will have joined us in the last couple of weeks, over a thousand of you. So thank you for that. If you haven't yet subscribed, Jump on in. The water's fine. No time like the present. Also, follow me on the socials at JD Piquel on Twitter and on Instagram. Looking at the offensive side of things, the best way I could describe why I'd be more confident if I'm a Michigan fan in this offensive attack, last year you had a really solid vehicle. I would equate it to like a Hummer. Like you were just rolling over people. The run game was special. Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, a Joe Moore award finalist offensive line this year, but that was really just who you were. Hand the ball to Corum, hand the ball to Haskins, like let those dudes eat. Hand the ball to Edwards at times a season ago. Let those dudes be special and let them cook. However, if that Hummer ever got stuck in some really deep mud, you have great tires on that thing. It usually can just kind of roll over everything. But if you got stuck in the mud, it was really difficult to get it out, right? If you ran into someone that could stop the run, it became a little bit tricky. And that was Michigan last year. In this game against Georgia, in the college football playoff, they really, for the most part, outside of what that stat sheet says, doesn't tell the whole story, they kind of took away your bread and butter, right? Took away the run game. And off of that, there was no real legitimate answer. And that's why you got the final score you did in 34-11. This year, we saw Ohio State attempt to do what Georgia did in that college football playoff game. They sell out to stop the run, right? In Columbus, we were there. Jim Knowles' defense is just absolutely shutting off the water in that first half. And then guess what? You made a change at quarterback. Going into this year, you made it for a reason. And J.J. McCarthy has made good on every single expectation or every single call to action rather that you would have had 
for the youngster at this point in time. Now, that car floats. You get stuck in the mud, you say, that's cool. We can win that way too. We can get to where we want to get to. Get stuck in the mud, that's fine. We embrace it. We just float on through it. No worries. That's kind of what I think this pass game is for them. Is J.J. McCarthy is able now to not just be a guy who can make plays off play action. Like that was always the hope. You can be able to make the defense pay when the safeties creep up, when the linebackers creep up, as they did at times against Ohio State. When you don't have success in the run game at all, and they know you're going to throw it, J.J. McCarthy can hurt you then too. We saw that against Ohio State a couple of times. You had like one yard rushing at one point in the first half. J.J. McCarthy's just standing back there, dealing. Are they where they want to be yet in the pass game? I think they still have room for improvement, room for growth. And for them to have room for growth and still in the college football playoff to be having this conversation in December, really good news for the Michigan faithful. And so the different ways they can beat you on offense now is really exciting. And again, why I have confidence to where if TCU is somehow able to sell out and stop the run, or maybe their defensive line just has the day of all days in the college football playoff and they take away Edwards, I'm just saying, you then can just say, all right, J.J. McCarthy, you know what time it is, brother. Let's go get after it. So the pass game and the transformation of that this season is why you feel better about your chances in this college football playoff game. Lastly, Will Johnson. I've said it many times. I think he is potentially the most impactful player on Michigan's roster in this college football playoff run, especially in this game. He will be tasked with, I don't know if it'll be the entirety of the game, but at multiple times throughout the game, a lot of the game, he will be tasked with covering TCU's Quinton Johnson. Now, Quinton Johnson is a matchup problem. Will Johnson, for this Michigan defense, he's only a, only a freshman, he is your matchup problem solvent. He's the solution. When you get that big body receiver like Quinton Johnson out on the edge, I'm not even saying Will Johnson's going to lock him up completely. I'm not even saying he holds him to under 70 yards receiving. But I am saying this, he's going to win a fair amount of his battles. Even if it's 50-50, he's going to give you a chance to have the other guys on your defense impact the game. It's not going to be just Quentin Johnston take over. That's really important for Michigan. That's an impressive spot to be at if you're a freshman. Six foot three, playing his best ball right now. Had two interceptions in the Big Ten title game. With his size and his ball skills, that's going to make up for a lot of the one-on-one -on -one matchups you end up drawing if you're Michigan in this college football playoff. It starts with TCU, but I don't think you had that a season ago. I don't think Michigan had that kind of answer on the back end. And to have it now Will Johnson, I feel a lot better about my matchup problems in the solvent with Will Johnson at corner. So here's the whole feel I have on this with Michigan. Last year, there was a whole lot of want to. In 2021, it was, we want to beat Ohio State for the first time in a long time. We want to win the Big Ten title. We want to get to the college football playoff. They did all those things. A lot of want to. Now, here's the difference. You come into 2022 with this unit, with this program, expecting it. We expect to beat Ohio State. J.J. McCarthy said it in the offseason. We beat Ohio State. That's all we know right now. We want to keep that rolling. What'd they do? Go to Columbus. Game wasn't close at the end of the deal. I know Ohio State kept it close in the fourth quarter, but when Michigan pulled away, when Michigan went just full anaconda squeeze mode, like that was the end of the deal. Michigan expects it now. Got to the Big Ten title. There was no flinch. They win the Big Ten title. There's no over-celebration. There's no, 
overexcitement. It's just, yeah, we, are, we expected to do this, but the job's not finished. Kind of been the phrase for them. Job is not finished. Tom Brady in his first Super Bowl gets to that game, and he, he finished the game in, in an interview later. He just said, I felt like there was so much just extra stuff around me. There was so much stuff that had nothing to do with the game that was, if not a distraction, at least was on my mind. And for Michigan, I wonder if that'll be the same kind of result for them this coming college football playoff run. Last year, it was the bright lights. It was the first time they had been to the playoff. It was a lot of excitement, and it was all warranted, 100% warranted. But now, having been there once before as a program, some of those guys on that roster that weren't starters last year but were on the team, I think it'll be a little bit more of a business-like approach. And the expectation, as opposed to the want to, I think is what could make Michigan more dangerous this time around. So I'm excited to watch it play out. You better believe we'll be locked and loaded for the playoff. You better believe we'll have a ton of content coming your way when those games get after it. And it'll be a whole lot of fun. I'm excited to watch Michigan. But again, I think for Michigan, why is it different? Why should you have more confidence? Because of those reasons I just mentioned and because of the expectation versus the want to. I'm just saying, Michigan, everybody seems to kind of just be counting them out. It's Georgia's, it's Georgia's, it's Georgia's. It may, it may be Georgia's, but that Michigan group feels a little bit counted out, and that's a dangerous spot for them to be. So if we get a Georgia-Michigan national championship, we're going to predict those games. You know, we're going to predict the semifinal games, but if we're going off just favorites and we get a Georgia-Michigan national championship, I think that would be a movie. Also, we get Michigan-Ohio State. That would be a movie too, but nonetheless, should be a good... Uh, Good playoff. We're excited to watch it all unravel. If you have not yet subscribed, we want you here. Okay, there is no time like the present. It's a 12-year sport, 12-year, 12-month sport. A lot of these other programs are going to finish the national championship game and say, you know what, that was fun. We'll see y'all next fall. We'll see you guys late August, not us. Okay, the transfer portal, turning up the heat. Recruiting, we're, I don't know how many days away from signing day, but we're pretty close. And we want to make sure that you are covered for everything that you love about this sport. This is your show, The People Show. So we're going to make sure we keep you locked in, and we're going to make sure that we have you covered for everything around the college football calendar, not just the fall. Got you in the fall, too, but 12 months a year. We got you covered. Make sure you're subscribed. All right. This is something I'm very excited to do. This is very, very, uh, I don't know what the right word is. This is new ground for us, Nick. And the first ever program awards are about to commence. We've got a number of awards here we want to give out. College football playoff awards, I believe, are tonight on a certain four-letter network. That's great. No disrespect to those awards. We feel like we have a pretty good pulse on who should get what hardware. So we have our own number of awards already given out. One on my Instagram and one on my Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel, but also follow me there, at Jody Pakel. Let's go down the list here and not waste too much more time because we have a ton of hardware to hand out. Starting with Dime Dropper of the Year for the 2022 college football season. This is how the award is presented. Dime Dropper of the Year is awarded to the student athlete who best exhibits the capability to absolutely throttle your secondary by throwing wherever they please on any Saturday in the fall. This year's Dime Dropper of the Year recipient is Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Let's be honest, Hendon Hooker put on an absolute clinic this season. 32 touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, he was 
for the duration of the season, the Heisman favorite, at least it felt like the, the duration of October, rather, after the Alabama game, it's not right that he's not invited for the Heisman Trophy ceremony in New York. He should be. We believe that wholeheartedly on this program. No issue with the other finalists, but I think Hennon Hooker got snubbed, got snubbed bad. Nonetheless, Hennon, don't worry. You are this year's Dime Dropper of the Year for the Program Award. The award, I'm sure, is in the mail. Next award we're giving out, the How Is He Only a Freshman Award. Now, this award is given annually to the first student athlete the first-year student-athlete, rather, that is making plays on the football field that defy their experience. And that causes you to say, or the person next to you to say the phrase, oh my gosh, how is this guy only a freshman? This year's winner of the How Is He Only a Freshman Award goes to LSU's linebacker, Harold Perkins. Now, we saw Harold Perkins multiple times throughout this season just absolutely take over. He was the guy that got more snaps later in the year. His most impressive statistical performance came against Arkansas, where he had multiple forced fumbles, multiple sacks. Like, he was a game wrecker and only a freshman. Credit Brian Kelly and that staff for finding a way to get him on the field. I think his most impressive performance was actually against Alabama, where he was tasked with spying uh, only last year's Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, and did a phenomenal job, was a big reason why, that, why they won that game. So Harold Perkins, the Tasmanian devil, a guy that will be a lot of fun to watch next year and watching the bowl game, obviously. But I'm telling you, when those preview magazines come back out and we're talking about, well, what if somebody besides a quarterback wins the Heisman Trophy? What if it's someone on defense? Harold Perkins, I'm just telling you right now, will be at the top of a lot of those lists. So Harold Perkins, the winner of the How Is He Only a Freshman Award. This is an award I'm excited to give out. This next one, for reasons that are about to be explained. The Pat McAfee Punter of the Year Award. Now, this is given to the leg that best displays power, ferocity, and competitive accuracy. As displayed by the award's namesake, former West Virginia NFL legend turned college game day staple, Pat McAfee, for the brand. So, as people on this program that do watch football, shout out Shane Beamer, this year's winner is South Carolina punter Kai Kroger. Now, Shane Beamer was adamant and we agree Shane Beamer we agree coach that he should be up for punter of the year in their awards in their college football awards but in our college football awards in the program awards Kai Kroger is the Pat McAfee punter of the year congratulations Kai congratulations South Carolina as Kai helped spearhead one of the top three punt units in the country ridiculous he's not up for the other awards but I promise you we have not forgotten we watch football coach Beamer Kai Kroger, Pat McAfee, Punter of the Year. Congratulations, Kai. Now, here's another award that I think both of these recipients, there's two, were snubbed when it came to the other college football awards. Neither of these gentlemen were nominated for Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year, which is disgraceful. We will amend that right now. The Program Leader of the Year is given to the coach who elevates a program, not a program, a program, to new heights that they otherwise would not have been able to achieve, especially based on the year prior as the track record. The program leader of the year co-winners is LSU's Brian Kelly and Tennessee's Josh Heupel. Look at the facts, folks. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see what they did to their programs. Josh Heupel in year two took them from seven and six to ten and two. They were in the hunt for a college football playoff berth and were very, very close to getting it done if it hadn't been for Kai Kroger in South Carolina. You talk about LSU. 
six and seven the year before. The culture was in shambles. I mean, guys are hitting the portal. Brian Kelly comes in, provides structure, provides order, provides belief, the right way of doing things. They go from six and seven to nine and four, played for an SEC title, went to Atlanta in year one in the SEC. So Brian Kelly of LSU and Josh Heupel of Tennessee, both very much deserved winners of the program of the leader, excuse me, program leader of the year award. Congratulations, coaches. Very much well-deserved. This next award I want to give out, it's called the IHOP Award. And this is given to the offensive line who consistently serves up pancakes and dominates the opposition in the run and in the pass game, moving human beings against their will. Now, this year's recipient of the IHOP Award is the Michigan Wolverine offensive line. Listen, for Michigan, they averaged over 240 yards on the ground this season had a 3.5% sack rate. It goes a little bit under the radar, but J.J. McCarthy in his first year starting had a lot of success, especially in that Ohio State game. You kind of saw that come to you know its, its potential, at least to, to the point this year. A lot of that is due to this offensive line and how they have allowed him to develop because the duration of the year leading up to that game, we saw Michigan play bully ball game after game, over 400 yards against Penn State. Those big human beings on Michigan's offensive line deserve a ton of credit, a ton of praise. They're a finalist for the Joe Moore Award and the other college football awards for the best offensive line, whatever. We don't really you know, pay too much mind to those, but they are the winners of this year's IHOP Award. So congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines offensive line. Really quickly, if you have not yet subscribed to the channel, we would love to have you at the party. Subscribe as we have you covered 12 months a year. Also, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at J.D. Award season keeps on rolling. Next award up that I want to give out, the Forrest Gump Award. Now, this is given to the player who has elite speed, and some people say is still running. This year's winner of the Forrest Gump Award goes to Tennessee's wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt. Now, Jalen Hyatt, like I said, is still running. Averaged 19 yards of reception this season. That is dynamite explosive. That is just ridiculous playmaking ability, and his speed is an enormous reason why. The most evident example of this is his five-touchdown performance where they tore down the goalpost in Knoxville in their win over Alabama. Also has close to 1,200-yard receiving, 15 touchdowns. Jalen Hyatt, take a bow. You are this year's Forrest Gump Award winner. Very much so deserving. Got in a landslide, actually. It was, it, was, it was not even close. Nobody else even got votes, according to my uh, stat sheet here. Jalen Hyatt, congratulations on that award. We got two more I want to give out here. Make sure you get your questions into the chat so we can answer those as effectively, as efficiently as possible. Next award we're giving out, the Freak of the Year Award. Now, this award goes to a player with freakish attributes and is a matchup problem that can't be solved. This year's recipient of Freak of the Year goes to Ohio State's wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. Think about this for a second. If I told you, as an Ohio State fan, at the beginning of the year, hey, bad news. I know you lost Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson in the draft. Jackson Smith and Jigba is a, is a baller. He's phenomenal, right? Bad news, he's not really going to play this season. He's going to do his best to get back on the field, but he's not really going to play throughout the 2022 campaign. You'd say, oh, gosh. Okay, well, I guess we're going to have to run the ball a little bit more, have to be more multiple offensively. C.J. Stroud is still a phenomenal quarterback, one of the best in the country. 
but I get, I, I mean, that, that's, that's horrible. We'll have to kind of find different ways to win. What if I told you CJ Stroud actually didn't take a step back at all and that Ohio State's offense would still be one of the best in the country and score right around 49 points a game? Marvin Harrison Jr., an enormous reason why. 72 receptions, 1,100 yards, 15 touchdowns. Again, a matchup problem that cannot be solved. With his size and speed and strength, nobody can match up with him. He made highlight real play after highlight real play this season. And Marvin Harrison Jr., a huge reason why Ohio State is finding themselves in playoff contention. And I am very excited to see the matchup with him against that Georgia secondary in the playoff. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is this year's program awards freak of the year. Congratulations, Marvin. Now, the last award I want to give out. Uh, it's a, a very special award for us here on the program, and it is the Hard Count Heisman. This is not the Heisman Trophy. This is a completely different award. Very, very different. And I want to tell you why we're giving it out and who we're giving it out to. Hard Count Heisman is awarded to the student athlete who is the best player on one of the best teams. Notice how the other Heisman Trophy reads. Outstanding player, best exemplifies this, that, and the other. No, no, no. We're calling a spade a spade. One of the best players on one of the best teams, or the best player on one of the best teams. This, in many ways, is the most valuable player in college football. Without this player, the recipient's team would be in a very different position. The award is given to a walking highlight reel. If you saw this on SportsCenter, it's likely that the Heisman, or the hard count Heisman, rather, was on that feed at some point in time. The winner of this year's hard count Heisman goes to USC's quarterback, Caleb Williams. I know what you're going to say. Well, he didn't win the Pac-12. They're not playing for a college football playoff. Listen, hard count Heisman is a November award, like it or not. It's just the way that we give it out around here. He had 17 total touchdowns in the month of November. If he doesn't pull his hamstring, USC's probably playing for a college football playoff semifinal. It's just the way that it goes. There has been nobody more impressive on bigger stages outside of the Utah game than Caleb Williams, both statistically and just the highlights that he made routinely. So Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams is the recipient of this year's hard count Heisman. Caleb, congratulations to you and the rest of your teammates, as I understand that is in some ways a team award. So that does it for the program awards. A lot of fun. I think we give out a lot of good hardware. Excited to see what next year's program awards looks like. Maybe we'll do some preseason program awards. If you're not following me on Twitter or Instagram, I would recommend you doing both of those because I'm going to make sure that we have some really cool graphics show up on those feeds and we can get some interaction going. You can tell me where I'm right, where I'm wrong. It'll be a real good time. Want to make sure we have you locked in for that. So follow me at Judy Pakel on Twitter and on Instagram. Also, subscribe to the channel. Awards season in full swing, Nick. You got to love it. All right, welcome in on now. The man, the myth, the legend, the keeper of the queue, lifter of all things heavy, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, my guy? What's up, JD? Rainy day, tired, but look, you bring the energy, you bring the juice, so here I am. Hey, it, it's a lot of energy. It's a two-way street, man. You're bringing the juice, I'm bringing the juice, everybody in the chat's bringing the juice. Like, this is a, this is a team operation we got mm -hmm. going here. Hey, man. Josh Newberg bringing the juice. Josh bringing, Newberg bringing the too juice. Much juice. I was sitting right next to him. My ears were ringing. <laughs> Good, man, we, we got to have, gotta have uh, as much as possible. A surplus Absolutely. of juice, never a bad thing. What's the chat saying, my man? Okay, uh, first question from Glenn Warshaw. Thank you, Glenn. 
first thing he did when they got in was ask the question, so I appreciate that. Uh, Position-wise, what is Oklahoma's greatest need in this transfer portal, J.D.? You know, I think it starts in the trenches. I think you look on the defensive side first because we look at who Brent Venables is as a defensive coordinator at Clemson. He likes to be pretty flexible schematically with what he does with those big boys, especially on the end. There'll be times where they rush the passer. There'll be times where they, you know, they'll fake rush them, peel out and cover a running back in the flat. So I think getting the type of defensive lineman that you're looking for, for this Brent Menables defense, I think that's where you start. So if you can get that, I think a lot of things build off of that. Also, wouldn't it hurt to add some depth at the linebacker position? But that's where I'm looking for. It's a line of scrimmage game. Elite teams, tough teams, we say it all the time. They play in December, they play in January. Sure up the defensive line, rather, shore up the defensive line, and you'll be in good shape. So looking forward to seeing them do that. But that's where my money lies if I'm Oklahoma. Great question, though, Nick. Appreciate yep. you getting it yep. in early. Yep, great question. Um, by the way, yeah, everybody, whenever you get in the, uh, into the video, make sure to ask your question as soon as possible. Mm. Also, uh, if you're watching right now, go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. Uh, don't just subscribe, like the video as well. Absolutely. Um, another question, this one from Jay in Michigan. Do you think Michigan can win it all? Why or why not? Hashtag go blue. It's a great question. I do think Michigan can win it all. I think it's very much possible. They will. I think that would be the way you'd like to go about things. So we'll see how it happens. But no, I, I like that thought about Michigan potentially playing for a national championship. But there's still the first one you got to take care of. And TCU will present some issues present some problems that need to be solved with what they're going to bring scoring so i'm excited to watch that one that's a great question another early one i presume mm -hmm. hey I uh, jd it. by the way really quickly um we got some bad weather here guys we lost the feed for just about 10 seconds Love um it. so if you miss what jd said uh he thinks they've got every bit of a chance of winning the national championship but don't look past tcu in that first game mm. uh before getting um uh, to Georgia or Ohio State. But by the way, J.D., we are back. We were out for about five seconds, but we are back in living color, so it's great to be here. Hey, great. Hey, how about Nick Break? Things go a little bit off schedule, off script, play breaks down. Nick Break, make him plays on the fly. We appreciate you, baby. Best producer in the game. Big play right there. Big play. We're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> look, look, I'm just I'm, I'm Chris Paul. I'm trying to lay out your assist, J.D. Um, Chris, speaking of Chris, Chris Fields, how many pass attempts do you think J.J. McCarthy would have a hypothetical win in the semifinal game against Tennessee, speaking of Michigan versus TCU. Um, how many attempts do you think it would take in the natty as well if they, if they were to beat Georgia? So basically the question, what does J.J. McCarthy need to be doing in the playoffs, J.D.? I think against TCU, a lower number is what I would say because I think they will have success running the football. We'll break it down when it gets here, but I do think they'll be able to hand the ball to Donovan Edwards and let those big boys up front. IHOP award recipient big boys up front lay out some pancakes, do their thing. And so I think that the number is probably close to 20, 25 is what I'm looking at. I think in the title game, it may take a little bit more because my assumption is you play a team like Georgia. We'll break it down, but let's just say based on favorites, you play Georgia. I think Georgia is going to do more up front than you've seen to this point in the year. If you're Michigan, I mean, they're going to probably present the biggest challenge for you with that defensive line and be able to drop more guys and, and not allocate as many resources up front. So in that game, I think you need more attempts from J.J. McCarthy. You can still win it, but I think J.J. McCarthy probably throws in the neighborhood of 30. So 20 to 25 in the semifinal to win the national championship, I think it would be close to 30. But that's a great question. J.J. McCarthy, he's playing some of his best ball right now, Nick. The kid's slinging it. Uh, yeah, I, lo I love J.J. McCarthy. I've been on his side since 
since day one, man. I really like him. You're a JJ um, guy. JJ Stan. I am mostly because my friend Big Mike has kind of convinced me to be a, a, J, a JJ fan. But uh, anyway, uh, we're going to go to Ty Stevens, who's been saying a lot of stuff in the comments. One of them, a really good question uh, that we kind of talked about earlier, but you didn't really answer because, well, it wasn't very relevant. But this is now relevant because Ty Stevens asked it. Who wins conference title first, Matt Rule, Fickle, or Dion? Oof. That's a good question. <laughs> if any, Matt ever. Matt Rule, Fickle, or Dion? So I, I will just say this. Matt Rule and Luke Fickle, I would expect them to appear in a conference championship sooner just by nature of the Big Ten West and with the transfer portal at your fingertips. I think Luke Fickle might be the first to appear in a conference title. But here's the deal. You got Ohio State and Michigan on the other side of the conference and they're machines. They're well-oiled machines that are humming right now. And so beating one of those programs, I put you a couple of years away from doing that. Deion Sanders, with what he can do in the portal, with some of the talent he's bringing with him from Jackson State, and just quite frankly, the nature of the Pac-12 conference, I think Colorado and Deion Sanders is best positioned to win a conference title of that three coaches. So keep an eye on Colorado. It may not happen overnight, but I think with the guys he's going to get in there and all the talent, that's going to be a really dangerous operation down there in Boulder and look for Coach Prime to have that thing humming here very, very soon. Great question, though. Appreciate it, Ty Stevens. Yep, Ty Stevens. Good stuff. Uh, a lot of arguments now in the comments uh, about TCU, uh, by the way, J.D. Some Love people it. really like TCU. Some people are saying mean things about TCU. But uh, it anyway. Happens. It happens, man. Are you, you good? are you good for uh, – a couple more Michigan questions. Yeah, man. Let's, to, let's, let's to wrap do two up more. What do you say? We do two more? Two more. They don't have to be Michigan questions, by the way. Uh, I love but it. this one happens to be Brad Smith, who is at war right now in the comments, says Harbaugh's postseason record is two and five. Why would anyone be scared? Uh, sarcastically, JD. Two and five in the postseason. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a weird stat to throw out there. I, I've always hated the bull game stat. I get the conversation around, well, maybe their process in the postseason isn't great, and maybe they have to do some different things to get to where they want to be in the postseason. But here's the deal. Every team is different. Like J.J. McCarthy in the postseason, as a starting quarterback, guess what he is? Zero and zero. So with this Michigan team, I think they have a chance to make more noise than different teams in the past. I understand that history is our teacher to a degree, but we got to provide some context to this thing, all right? This is a different Michigan than I think we've seen in years past. I think... Michigan fans, like we already said, have reason for more confidence and they're a little bit more dangerous. So two and five, sure, that's a fun stat to throw around, but I think Michigan is in a good spot in this year's college football playoff. We'll break it down. We'll predict it, but yep. that's where I lie today. Last question, J.D. Let's do it. Uh, Cole Thompson, minus the fact that it's not, it's not one of the biggest programs, does Dave Arnanda's background at Wisconsin, the scheme, the style, make uh, Jim Leonard – an option at Baylor for the new defensive coordinator come 2023. Yeah, so being like we did the show in Waco for a long time, Nick, I would love that. I think that would be a very good match. Here's my only concern for that. Is it, so is it a match? Yes. Is my, my concern about that happening is I think Jim Leonard is going to be a head coach sooner rather than later. And there's a couple of jobs that are open right now, the Purdue one being the main spot you're looking and I think if I'm Purdue, I would take a swing at Jim Leonard. Like, maybe he's not a home run in year one, but if you don't hire him this year, 
I don't know that he's going to be available the next time you need a head coach. Like, he's going to be a head coach at some point in the near future. He's a rising star, and he's going to be a good head coach. Let me just say that. He's going to be a good head coach. Players at Wisconsin loved him. I mean, they took to Twitter after they hired a different coach and Luke Fickle and said losing Jim Leonard is going to be the worst thing Wisconsin's ever done. Like, people love Jim Leonard, especially guys within his program. So, do they get him to Baylor? Maybe. That, that, that'd be great for them. That'd be a huge get. I see the fit. But if I'm Purdue, I would make Jim Leonard tell me no. Mm-hmm. That's a great question, though. Love I said, it. I said Dave Aranda. It's Dave Aranda, isn't it, Jamie? Aranda, Aranda. I feel you, man. Okay. I, I hear you. I well, hear my what you're apologies. Saying. No, uh, you're Dave. good, man. I think I've heard Aranda by other people as well, so you're not the first to say it that way. But Nick, man, I appreciate you keeping the cue, keeping the party rolling, making it all happen, man. Glad to have you back, and thanks for making a play on the fly. Chat goes down, no problem. Nick break bobbled the snap, or the snap was on the ground. It was a bad snap, and Nick break throwing a touchdown pass. So appreciate you getting your Johnny Manziel on there, Nick. Oh, JD, man, Johnny Manziel, that's who I, that's who I am. Yep. Naturally, we'll see you, man. We'll take see you, it. brother. Have a good weekend. Nicky football, baby. Nick break heavy lifter. What a rush! What a blast! Thank you so much to everybody who showed up and showed out in the live chat. This is a blast. We got games going on here in the very near future, but right now, portal season turning up the heat recruiting season is also very much so in full swing with signing day coming up in no time at all we want you at the party subscribe if you would that'd be a whole lot of fun to have us all together on this point going forward it's a channel yes that we are able to to run and operate and and put out content for you but i think it's even more so a community the interaction we get to have the back and forth like we just had in the live chat like that's what gives me juice that's what gets me fired about being able to do this covering college football 12 months out of the year it's a 12 month sport so we want to make sure that you're locked in for everything you need 12 months out of the year like i said other folks gonna take their break and take their vacation when the games are finished that's great we're grateful they do that we however on this program will make sure that we have you 365 days a year covered locked and loaded for everything you need everything that you love about college football so we appreciate you we love you come back and join us on tuesday at one central to eastern for our next live operation but until then we're going to keep the party rolling we will see y'all next time Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets.
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.